Some people find it easier to follow the details of a philosophical argument back and forth when they can understand it as a debate between two people. Indeed, the oldest philosophy we have in the Western tradition, Plato's, was all written in the form of dialogues. So given that the argument gets pretty complicated, some of you might find it useful to have it as a debate. Derek's going to speak pro-Regan, and I'm going to speak anti-Regan. So Derek, you start us off. Well, my position is really very simple. I argue that all the animals that we exploit for food, in experiments, for sport and so on, have a right not to be treated in that way, just as we do. We have a right not to be used as a mere resource for others because we are experiencing subjects of a life. But they are all experiencing subjects of a life too, so they have the same general right. And I think that this is just an incoherent use of the concept of a right. You can no more say that animals have rights than that works of art do. Anything that has a right has to be the kind of thing that can understand contracts and agreements and what having a right involves. For instance, you have to be able to understand how rights can be acquired and that they can be waived and transferred. You have to be able to understand that wherever there's a right, there's a corresponding duty. But animals can't understand any of that. It's no use saying to an animal, this is your food because I've just given it to you, but this is my food, you have a right to yours, but a duty not to take mine. So you want to say that only creatures that can understand what is involved in having rights can have them? Yeah. Oh, surely not. You're far too nice a person. That's an absolutely scandalous position. Are you really going to say that babies and the mentally deranged don't have the right to life or the right not to be used in scientific experiments? I don't just call that an absurd consequence. I think it's a horrible consequence. You're as bad as Singer. If there's one thing I'm certain about, it is that we have an absolute duty not to just kill off babies and the mentally deranged, nor to use them in experiments. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying anything like Singer. Of course I think we have a duty not to kill them or use them. But you're just contradicting yourself. You just said they have no rights. Now you're saying we have duties to them. But that's not a contradiction on the contractarian position, or indeed on any view of rights except the so-called American one. You're assuming that if I, say a baby, say, doesn't have any rights, then I can do anything to it I like, that I have no duties to it. But on the contractarian position, we can have duties where there are no corresponding rights. Just because a baby doesn't have the right to life doesn't mean I can do anything to it I like. Of course I mustn't kill it. So you want to say that animals and babies and so on don't have any rights, but that nevertheless we have certain duties to them. That's right. After all, lots of people don't think that animals have rights, but nearly everyone thinks we have a duty not to torture animals. So that's a duty without a corresponding right. All I'm saying is that I think there are lots more duties without corresponding rights than most people suppose. For example, there's a duty not to kill babies or use them in experiments, but there's no corresponding right. Do you think that's an important duty, a really stringent one? Yes, of course. Why? Um, um, uh, well, it's, it, it's a duty. But are all duties equally stringent? Um, um, well... well <laughs> do you agree that wherever there is a right, there is a corresponding duty? Oh, of course, everyone accepts that. Well... You know that I have a right to be called Dr. Matravers, don't you? Yes, sir, doctor. 
So you have a duty to call me Dr. Matravers if I want you to. Oh, well, yes, I suppose so. Was that a stringent duty? Suppose I insist on it right now. Oh, come off it, Derek. It just doesn't matter. Well, I agree. I don't think it matters. But that's exactly what I think is so trivialising about your contractarian position on animal rights. I know we sometimes talk about rights in that trivial way. That's all to do with contracts and agreements and conventions and so on. Our right to be called doctor, your right to that silly coffee cup that you make such a fuss when anybody uses it. But that's not the way we talk when we're talking about serious stuff, like not killing people or using them in experiments. We think that rights are really important. They go with really stringent duties. And that's why I want to insist that animals have rights, and why I think it's scandalous of you to say that babies and the mentally incapacitated don't. If you want to say that we have a really stringent duty not to kill them or use them, you shouldn't say that they don't have rights. Mm, well, I agree. It does sound pretty extreme. So you have to give up your contractarian position and agree with me that animals have rights too. You said that only creatures that can understand what is involved in having rights can have them, and you've just admitted that ain't so. Babies can't understand what is involved, but they do have rights. So if babies, why not animals too? Well, I think what I need to do is state the contractarian position more carefully. What I should have said is that only creatures which are capable of understanding contracts and so on can have rights. You have to be the kind of thing that can understand them, that's all. And animals do not have that capacity. They're not that kind of thing. I don't see that's any improvement on what you had before. You and I are capable of understanding contracts and so on, so we have rights. Babies and the mentally deranged, like animals, aren't capable, so they don't have rights. We're back where we were before. No, no, no. You didn't, you didn't notice the subtle difference in what I said. You and I are not only logically capable of understanding contracts, we're also practically capable. We can actually do it. But I'm not saying that you have to be practically capable. It's enough to be logically capable, to be the kind of thing that could, even if circumstances make it practically impossible. So what's this kind of thing that could understand contracts? that is logically capable of it. You mean something rational? Um, no, I accept that babies and the mentally deranged aren't rational. I mean human beings. You mean what? I mean human beings. Human beings are a rational, contract-making species. And even though babies and the mentally deranged are not themselves rational or able to make contracts, they belong to the human species. That's what I mean by saying that they're the kind of thing, namely human beings, that is capable of making contracts. Well, that's the most shameless speciesism I've ever heard. There you are, making all the song and dance about the importance of understanding contracts for having rights and how animals can't do it. And then it turns out that actually understanding contracts is irrelevant. Why don't you just go back to saying only human beings have rights because we're the only species that have any degree of rationality because we're the only ones who have speech and be done with it? Can't you do any better than that? Oh, well, yes, I could follow Scruton and draw a distinction between ordinary babies and other cases. You and I are actually capable of understanding contracts because we have certain sorts of brains. Most babies are not yet actually capable, but they are potentially capable 
because they have the same sort of brain. You mean the human sort, I suppose. That's just speciesism again. No, I don't mean particularly the human sort. I mean, they've got the relevant sort of DNA or whatever. Of course, I've no idea myself how to specify or describe it, but the point is that the ordinary infant human brain has a capacity for development that no animal brain has. And that's a real difference between human babies and the other animals, which isn't based on species, so it's not speciesist. It's based on brain capacity. So babies have rights because they have the potential to understand contracts, but no animals do because they don't have that potential. Hmm. Sounds a bit too convenient to be true, but I think I'll have to concede that point. So you've avoided speciesism, but also kept us with stringent duties to babies. That's very neat. But hold on. Did you say all babies have rights? Well, um, in fact, I left it vague, but what I should have said, given my argument, is that most babies, but not all do. Babies born with some forms of severe brain damage, according to my argument, do not have the potential to understand contracts, so they don't have rights. And what about the very senile and brain-damaged adults? Do they have the sort of brains to have rights? Um, well, um, no, I can't say they do without falling back into speciesism and saying um, that they have human brains. Oh, good grief. So we don't have any particularly stringent duties to them. I've got you on the absurd consequences move again. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. I've got a new move against it. Oh, really? Yes. When we went through this before, I said we had a stringent duty to human beings without rights not to kill them or use them in experiments. Yes, and I said, why was it stringent? And you didn't have any answer at all. Well, yes, but now I've got an answer. Virtue and piety require that we acknowledge human life as sacrosanct. Come again? Well, look, of course, that's only the beginning of my answer. I know I've got to explain what virtue is and what piety is, no, but... I, no, I don't mind about virtue and piety. I've got a fair idea of what's involved in both of them. But just tell me this. Don't virtue and piety take any account of anything but human beings? Yes, of course they do. In fact, Scruton's going to say explicitly that it is piety that forbids factory farming. Ah, yes, that's what I thought. So would you like to explain to me, very briefly, why virtue and piety require that we acknowledge that just human life is sacrosanct? What about animal life? Animals that are experiencing subjects of a life, anyhow. If you'll admit that virtue and piety require acknowledging that their lives are sacrosanct too, we've really only got a verbal disagreement. I say they have rights... You're still being a bit legalistic about rights and don't want to put it that way. But we agree we have this very stringent duty to the mentally incapacitated and to them. So what do you want to do? Agree with me or explain why virtue and piety are so especially concerned with human life? Well, of course, I don't want to agree with you. What I want to say is that human life is special, but I know what you're going to say. Yeah, speciesism again. Yeah, so, the pro-Regan side wins unless we can find some argument to justify speciesism and show that it's not as bad as racism and sexism. Just a quick final note. Remember, I'm arguing on Regan's side, but I'm not pretending to be Regan. I said that experimenting on babies or the mentally incapacitated would be a horrible consequence, and that's what I think. But you don't want to ascribe that view to Regan. Like Singer, he uses it as a move to block anyone's trying to say that only rational creatures have rights, but remains a bit cagey about whether he himself thinks it would be okay. 
from the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.